0: Stephen Cluxton is on the pitch He is togged out for Dublin
1: Are you sure he's not a mascot Joe?
0: I am 100% sure he's not a mascot Stephen Cluxton is part of the Dublin panel today
1: I'm surprised as
0: anyone Joe Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed Wherever you get your podcasts Wednesday Night Rugby On Off The Ball
2: With Vodafone Main sponsor of the Irish rugby team We all belong to the team of us
0: Now you're welcome along. Wednesday night rugby coming at you. So it's busy. We've Heineken Champions Cup this weekend, round of 16. Munster Sharks in Durban, Saturday half past 12. We have Leinster Ulster half past five. There is Challenge Cup, Benetton against Connacht and then Women's Six Nations, namely at Musgrave Park in particular. Ireland against France, Saturday 2.15 kickoff. Very happy to say, joined by Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent here in studio. Rory, good to see you. Hey, Joe. And Grand Slam winner Grace Davitt on the line. Grace, evening, great to have you with us.
2: Yeah, good to be here, Joe.
0: Let's start with the women's six nations Wales 31, Ireland 5. For people who mightn't have caught the game, it was 26 0 at half time. I would say, Grace, in the build up, listening to various onlookers, they were citing home advantage for Wales, the inexperience in the Irish team at the 16 months plus of Welsh professionalism, and, and most were predicting a Welsh win. Not many predicted complete domination in the manner of which we saw.
2: No, and it was really hard to judge, you know, we have seen all the other Six Nations teams uh, perform in the World Cup and, you know, it's always hard to judge where you're at. And I think that was the key with Ireland is they hadn't played since Japan Tour, where they won one and lost one with a, a very inexperienced team. And it was a great opportunity for some players to get their first cap and Ireland had the combined provinces. But all the other, uh, so Scotland and Wales didn't have any of their Prem players which is most of the Welsh team against in those uh, that league so it's really difficult to judge Ireland and where they were at and obviously that first game now against Wales Wales had two typical games in, in the World Cup against New Zealand who are the world champions so you know they have had that cohesiveness as a team and obviously now we see what level Ireland are at other teams are progressing and and constantly improving and Ireland are just starting on that scale.
0: Roy, I know you saw the game as well. Uh, It was a bad start. Uh, There was a power deficit to begin with between the two teams and Ireland were just trapped, first half in particular, couldn't get out of their own half.
1: Yeah, and and sometimes, look, it looks like a power deficit, but there was, there was a technique deficit as well you know I think if, if, if you are giving up weight to a, to an opposition you've got to find strategies like Ireland in the men's side of the game and I know the men's and women's games are different but fundamentally a lot of the basics are still the same if you're giving up size and power to opposition players then you have to get your technique right and you have to be able to get low Ireland were very good at you know dominant tackles last year and, and didn't back that up at all in this game they weren't able to get on the front footer anyway in that first half and it looked like whether it was that step up in competition from the combined provinces and the fact that they hadn't played together for so long, whether it was the fact they were so inexperienced, Mm. whether it was the anticipation of of a first Six Nations game that they just didn't get their prep right in terms of their mental prep and they weren't ready for the game and they got blown away in the first 40. And in the second half, look, there is obviously a levelling up as Wales make substitutions and they know they've won the game already. We We began to see some of the things that Ireland can do, but it was too late. I do expect them to be better across the tournament, and I don't think they'll be as bad again. Unfortunately, Wales are one of the teams that they think they're they're able to compete with. So if they're losing heavily to Wales, where does it leave them for this weekend and next weekend? Um, you know, if your scrums getting blown away in that manner by Wales, that's a real worry when it comes to the the two bigger teams in particular. Um, if you're losing collisions across the board then you, you know Ireland have a talent back line but they're not going to get any ball so um, some of the tries are very soft first up tackles being missed which at international level really isn't excusable so it's I can't um, it's very hard to put your head in, or your, yourself in Greg McWilliams and uh, his shoes this week as he tries to fix things like, where does he go it's a little, a little bit like the Wales men in the Six Nations like, where did Warren Gatlin go after every game there will be a different problem and you know he can probably get that technique stuff right I think you know go lower them all might help you know stop the, at source. there are things you can do but there's so many things to fix in this week with such a short turnaround it's going to be very very difficult for them Yeah, as uh, Rory says,
0: Grace, Ireland were losing collisions when they did have the ball. They didn't have much of a kicking option, Enya Breen aside. So even when they were trying to get out, it's just really rocking a hard place uh, territory. And then in defence, there seemed to be something very passive about the Irish line for a team that made, as Rory alluded to, the most dominant tackles in the championship last year. Even in their own 22, even on their own goal line, there was a, a, a passive aspect to their defending which was surprising I, I kind of anticipated them shooting off the line a bit more and, and getting stuck in
2: yeah and, and this is the thing about defence is it's it's trust and you have to trust the players around you and you need that cohesiveness and you think uh, the premiership players I, I expected them to come back after you know very physical games in that English premiership and, and set the tone but it seemed to be that they weren't linking together there was no real understanding of, of what it was even when we seen the um the third try in the first half it was a case it was straight offset piece it was first phase you know and it was a simple skip pass and Ireland just didn't get up the line they didn't identify who they had a lot of the defence, they were not keeping square. They were turning their bodies. They were, you know, showing them the outside. And and that just leaves soft shoulders. And even a couple of times, Wales were able to get the ball wide, not because of lack of numbers for Ireland, but because of their space and then their identif- identification. And that just all comes with working together, trusting each other and going, you know, move out. I know exactly who I'm taking. And then that working together and coming up hard from the inside. But, yeah, and I, and I felt... There was one or two, you know, really good tackles. We've seen the likes of Sam Monaghan shooting up, making a good tackle, Linda Jungang, um, you know, Brittany Hogan. But it was just... Individual, It wasn't that, oh, right, let's come up hard and and close them down like we've seen Wales do. Wales were very good at coming up hard, closing them down, knowing Ireland didn't have the kick. So, yes, you have that upfront base. But they were very smart in how they slowed Ireland down on the ground. They were holding players in. You know, that just a little bit of smarts and and just trying to get that little bit of advantage.
0: And it was very interesting, Grace, uh, pre-game. And I appreciate there is a danger in reading far too much into what's said in the media pre-game. But Greg McWilliams on television made a point of thanking the S&C staff at the High Performance Unit. Nicola Friday did an interview where they had arrived in Cardiff on the Wednesday, I think, so loads of time and she was talking about being really well prepared and and, and so it, it, it wasn't like the and I'm sure you have some stories to tell about some more shackle arrangements where you're probably exhausted by the time you get to kick off that was not the case here and she was talking about the benefits of good preparation and it was Dorothy Wall who was asked at one stage what kind of a performance can we expect from Ireland and, and the word she used was energised so I, I, I kind of took all those various messages and I thought okay well if nothing else they'll be very vibrant but it did look like a team that were flat emotionally or physically or maybe a combination of both i, I don't know is that inexperience or, or what was your read on that aspect
2: yeah yeah because like fair enough they are in S&C and, and they are get, you know I've no doubt you know they're real physical the players are playing top level they've S&C now full time and you know the thing about it is Ireland weren't professional bar to sevens over the last few years but don't don't cod yourself to think that the girls weren't trained to a professional level and weren't putting all their effort in yes they might not have had the recovery and that would have limited their growth but they, they were training very very hard but you know the thing about it is and, and Rory alluded to it there you know I just think it it seemed to be their attitude. It seemed to be this, the basic skills test. I don't think it had anything to do, yes, SMC is going to improve, but it's the tiny margins. But it was things like that explosiveness off the line to get over the gain line you know that ev- evasive of footwork to hit a soft shoulder to try and break a tackle it's that second support player running hard so that means i'm taking a one on one tackle instead of my outside player being passive which means i get double hit and driven back mm. so it's it's the fight it's the fight on the ground to get a good body position to ensure a quick ruck And and they're all the little nuances that, yes, you can be physically strong, but if you have a bad support posture coming in to clear out that rook, that's not going to be a quick ruck. And I think all those little margins, you know, we've seen um, players being held up out wide, and it was Eleanor Snowsall. And someone else got in and, you know, held up Aoife Doyle and it was turned over. So that's, you know, that could be something as simple as shelling up before going into contact, using your feet, getting low and driving rather than being caught high, whether that's down to the pass, down to the the depth between you and the defence. So. It's not all down to S and C. It can be all down to you know your body height and and mm. decisions that you make really. Mm.
0: So you're both in agreement because that's the point you made, Rory. This is about technique, every bit as much about anything else.
1: Oh, like I mean, it would it would help if you had a, you know, a couple more uh, athletes like the Welsh tighthead. You know that that would be that would be nice if they were coming through the pipeline. But our our talent identification system seems to veer towards sevens players who are wingers flankers and, and, and centres and, and and tens and, and the best of those get channeled into the sevens programme because the priority is qualifying for the Olympics so um, but as Greg Williams said I don't think the sevens athletes would have necessarily made a big difference this weekend but what Ireland don't seem to be able to do well, they're, they're, try- they're chasing it is to try and identify props and tight five forwards and bring them into the system. So few of the initially listed contracted players were tight five forwards so they can train together all they like in Abbottstown but if your tight five are not actually part of the overall preparation and are coming in late um, and haven't played together then of course your mall is going to sh- suffer. Of course your scrum is going to suffer. If you've got an 18-year-old prop with very, very limited experience of, of scrummaging at senior level that's going to c- come back to bite you in the ass at this, at this level and it's only going to get worse because Wales are you know, probably the third best team in this tournament. You know, vying with with uh, Italy for that for that place in the picking order. So, uh, paying the top couple of players to train out Abistown is is a good thing, but there's so much more that needs to go on in terms of talent ID, in terms of investing in the clubs, in terms of season structures, in terms of the players playing quality games across the year, so that they're ready to play at this level. And, and we're so far away from that in Ireland at the moment. And the, the combined provinces. That idea down the line, I think, is that the the you know firstly two provinces will play against two Welsh teams and two Scottish teams, and the Welsh you would think will try and bring some of those Prime Fifteens players back for that, but they'll be looking at Ireland going, well, we don't need our that, that's not a competition we need our players to be playing in. Why don't we put our development players in against the Irish development players, and then our best players go off and cross the Severn because it's much easier for a Welsh player to drive up the Gloucester and play. And I know we're uh, we should be analysing the Six Nations as the Six Nations and. and and we should be the performance is the performance and the coach is the coach. But it's so hard not to veer away from that because these players are not really being set up to succeed right now. Yes, it's the right at the start of the system and, and the and the the professional contracts are welcome and the facilities in Abbottstown are incredible and the investment and the, the support structures they have are really, really good. But the players are trying to make a leap from competitions that are nowhere near this because the the structures beneath this have all been neglected and it can't just be Team Ireland out in Abbottstown it has to go way deeper than that yeah I mean sorry Grace
2: yeah, and I think, you know, what we say there, we're, we haven't suddenly just become a smaller nation of rugby players. You know, we were, we've were we always been slight in stature. We've never been able to match the like of France or New Zealand by, you know, a couple of exceptions. So, we've like, that's not some something suddenly we've turned up and go, oh, my God, we've got so much smaller. That's always been the case, and we've always developed a game plan around that where yeah. we used our pace, we used our skill set, we used our speed and our work rate to to evade and to to find a space, you know, and and it's what Rory is saying, you know. I think what we're seeing now is, for so long we 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 covered over the cracks, we concealed the cracks. When we we look back at 2017, you know, it's a good while uh, 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 since that now, and we've been papering over the cracks, and now the cracks have come, and. As Rory says, the 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 underneath is not there now. You know, the, the 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 purpose of people coming up through is not there, and I think that's why it's now we're seeing it. But it's from previous, uh, you know, for the last decade, really, that it's it's been struggling.
0: Yes, there are. I was reading one hundred and eighty eight thousand female registered GA players, adults. There are eight thousand rugby players in the country so that will give a sense of the disparity in numbers I think Grace it would be worthwhile for lots of listeners just to give a helicopter view of the situation in Ireland people would have seen it was announced uh, to great fanfare the professional contracts late last year Uh, close to 30 players uh, mid 20 players have have accepted those contracts so you take the starting 15 I had had a look just to check I wasn't sure what the situation was if you take the starting 15 from Saturday uh, Eva Doyle Anastasia uh, Behan, Nicole Cronin, Molly Scuffle McCabe, Saif uh, McGrath. I'm not too sure her situation. She may well have been given a contract subsequent to when I last checked. Uh, but certainly Nicola Friday, Sam Monahan, two of Ireland's um, main players, and uh, the flanker Maeve O'Leary. Uh, those eight are not contracted. They're they're not at the high performance unit. I, I know, are all of them over in England or are some of them just part-timers staying in Ireland? I know certainly Nicola Friday's over in England and Sam Monaghan and, and one or two others. So uh, give, us the, give us the kind of uneven uh, sense of Irish professionalism. And as Rory mentioned, you take England, they're all in the English league, French all in the French league, give or take. And Wales have basically none in their own league, but they're all playing in England in the main, a bunch of them at Gloucester. So they're getting you know, top-level rugby. Scotland the same, a lot of Scottish players in the, in the English league. The, the Irish picture is, is far more uneven. So those eight, for instance, from Saturday who aren't in the high-performance unit, what are they doing to prepare for the Six Nations in the main?
2: So basically, you know, the players, it, it's such a disparity and as such, you know, they've the, the sevens players, there was actually a lot more sevens contracts last year. And what they've done is they've reduced the amount of sevens contracted players and added uh, 15s players. So when you look at the grand scheme and they say the amount of 15s players that have been contracted, you know, the numbers don't add up because they've actually lowered some of the sevens contracts. So there's not a huge gain in the amount of professional players from this year to last year. What a lot of those professional ones are are younger development players. A lot of them you're not even seeing in this Six Nations, purely because some of the contracts that were offered to players within Ireland were 15 grand. And most people, you have to be based in Dublin, you have to be in the high performance unit on a weekly basis. And most people were like, I'm not giving up my career for that. The players that were based in England, some of them are are basically contracted, even if it's not very much money. They're contracted with clubs like St. Nicola Friday with Exeter. You have Neve Jones, Sam Monahan, Del McMahon, who's currently out injured, Vicky Irwin. There's a lot of those players are playing in the English Premiership. And that's where they're based. So when you had the players that are based in Ireland coming off the back of the interprovincials, they went into the combined provinces. The premiership players were still playing. They weren't involved. Um, And then what happened was once the combined provinces were finished, there was Irish camp. And then Irish camp... There was one weekend where the the English Prem were still playing. So there was an extended Irish squad without those English Premiership players. And then there was a couple of weekends or extended squads or squad sessions with the English Premiership. So they haven't had much time as a unit. And I think that's where this cohesiveness is. And Rory touched on it. You know, when, a lot, when you look at a lot of the RFU reviews, as much as we don't want to delve into the background, one of the big big key issues there was the development of the front five players. And currently, you know, Linda Jungang is probably the most renowned name that is in yeah. a, on a contract. The rest aren't, and and you're going, how do we develop the strength in our, our engine room if they're not there as a unit? Yes. And we seen Wales, Wales like dominated in the mall. They were innate working together. And Ireland defending them all just looked like individuals trying to hit a steam train. So, you know, y- you can see that as the unity is going to take a while to come. Yes.
0: And so just a very quick follow-up, the players in the high performance unit they're training away the likes of Nicola Friday and Sam Monaghan and Neve Jones they're getting very good competitive games in the English Premiership those other players who aren't in the high performance unit or in the Premiership are they just trucking along playing AIL and trying to get up to Irish training when they can is that what that quotient are doing?
2: yeah there seemed to okay. be ones that were that were in the Irish squad last year were offered contracts and then said, no, i don't I, you know, I can't afford to take that contract, yeah. and you know some were deemed you know whether on their own basis, you know, whether it, there is space for them if they refuse a contract or they want it into camp, that's something that's a bit ambiguous at okay. the minute, whether you know, yeah, I, I can't take a contract, but I'm happy to play for Ireland. I don't think it's acceptable if you're in Ireland and doing that. Fair enough, the English players maybe have a bit more of an excuse. But basically, what they're playing now, the AIL finished at Christmas. They're now playing like an All Ireland Cup. Um, Some of the clubs don't believe it's a high enough standard. There's a lot of disparity between the levels, even more so the AIL. Also, a lot of clubs. You know the likes of Railway Union or Belvedere are losing a lot of players due to the combined provinces which let, led to like a lower level of club game as well so there's a lot of a knock-on because of that combined provinces OK,
0: OK it's good to get that uh, sense things so it's uneven uh, Rory as you might expect to be fair in the early stages of professional but it's not conducive to high performance you've got the English players probably in reasonable shape and playing good games you've the likes of Linda Bjugang I I don't know who she's scrummaging against in the high performance unit. I'd say it's pretty lonely. And then you've got other players playing at a standard part time, which isn't preparing them for Six Nations and then they all come together and it's over to Cardiff and best of luck. So we're,
1: we're still a way away from a good system. Yeah, and I think one little quick fix that you could put in place is a, is a friendly before it all begins. You know, I mean, it's not something I was calling for a couple of weeks ago. I was fairly knee-deep in the men's Six Nations, but what harm would it have been to play one, uh, 80 minutes against, uh, you know, even if, if it is one of the Six Nations teams? I think Wales played against South Africa um, before they played against Ireland. So whatever kinks that were there, they got out of their system because, I'm sure they looked amazing in training. I'm sure training was going really well because they won the Combined Provinces against uh, inferior players from Wales Wales and Scotland. And look, I know that they weren't sold on that. I know that they didn't get carried away on the back of that because they knew this wasn't the level. But I'm sure... There needed there needs to be some sort of even the fact that they play AIL to Christmas, then they do interpros, then combine provinces into the Six Nations. It's all supposed to be step upon step upon step. So maybe the step they're missing is an international before that. And, and they hope that the combined provinces thing will which will become Leinster and Munster, I think playing in uh, a six team competition next year, will, will, will increase the standard and will give you know, sorry will get better as it goes on. And they'll be able to you know get broadcasters involved and be people at the games because you know that wasn't even you know, it was played behind closed doors, effectively, like there was an empty stadium, it was, it it wasn't real, it wasn't real rugby, and then you go from that to Six Nations, it's just a huge, huge jump, and um, John McKee, the senior coach who they brought in, former men's Fiji coach, um, he said it in the media yesterday, they have plans to put in place to play games in the summer, so that will be good, because they Mm. need games at this level, they need to test themselves, and, it's possibly no harm they're not going to qualify for this women's 15s because I think getting hockeyed over and over again is not going to do this young team any, any any use even though they want to be at the top table I think they need they need to earn their way to get there
0: Yeah, it's, again it's worth stating the average number of caps in the Irish 15 on Saturday was 7 and then the average number off the bench was 4 like only Nicola Friday and Linda de Jugang had 20 caps or more each so again it was a real baptism of fire uh, which brings us Grace to Musgrave Park and they'll be desperate in front of a home crowd to put on a better show it's France coming who laboured a touch uh, almost akin to the men's team at the start of the men's Six Nations away to Italy it was in Parma Uh, they have a touch of transition going on however however that Wales scoreline with France coming to 10 that is a bit scary what are you expecting from this game?
2: Yeah, it's going to be a difficult game and it's going to be difficult mentally. It's going to be difficult physically. Um, You know, even the wariness of knowing that France are coming after you. I think France are going to be not happy with their performance against Italy. You know, this is a a uh, well-trained Italy team. They're constantly improving. We see in the last couple of years they like to play good rugby. A um, bit like the men, sometimes they're a bit haphazard, but you know, over the last two years, we've definitely seen a lot of that offloading game stick. They play off the cuff. It's really exciting rugby. France made a lot of mistakes. Um, it was really atrocious weather towards the end of the match. Uh, but they they've they built into it because of those changes. You know, they're missing the likes of Safe and Day, who's huge physically, Menardier is out injured and Fal is out injured. But, you know, the guys that stepped into their shoes did really well and and they were very exciting. And I think you know, they're gonna want to come and prove themselves and prove, you know, that they, they're not as sluggish as they were against Italy. Uh, I think they'll look at the analysis of Ireland, and you know we know the French that they they really uh, were dominant in the scrum against Italy, and Italy a couple of times took them. So Italy have a strong scrum, but. I think that's going to be a real area of concern. Ireland are going to have to lower the height, you know, get, um, work as that eight, get, tighten up the seams and try and drive Paris straight through. Uh, France are going to attack on them all because if they look, if any team looked at that defense and a big concern is the center defense, Vernier had an absolutely unbelievable game. And the thing is, Ireland looked like they couldn't get any go forward ball. they went, out the back too often and ship the ball across the pitch without hitting any gain Like yeah. I think Ireland or France what they'll do is they'll pin them back we've seen Tremelier come on who's an amazing 10 huge experience and she was just pinning the ball back she's like such a long boot on her and I've no doubt she'll just pin Ireland back and, and say right try and work your way out from here and and I think it will be a long in the office like France hit extremely hard they always have I've been very sore after their games and, and they're hugely physical so even new players coming in you know they're, they're going to want to exert their dominance on this Irish team
1: Sort all that out by Saturday Rory Well it's, I think you keep it simple don't you you, you go in and you, you, you identify the three things you want to get right and if you get those right then you, at least when the players come into the dressing room regardless of the result you say to them I asked you to get three things right you got those right let's get three more things right the next day and you do, go do you make the scrum one of those things well it's very hard to fix a scrum in a week but and especially with with, with such an experience a prop but they will surely be better for the experience of another week I know it's not a full week together because some of the players will go back to England and then come back in for camps and that's part of the yeah. issues that are that are blighting them but even the experience of last week I, I, like you would expect them they froze last week to some degree mm. and they you, I can't imagine they'll freeze again. I think there will have to be some sort of emotional response. And, and there's in rugby, there's a, there's a lot to be said for for emotion. It's a, it's it's you know fear is the fear of failure in front of your home fans yes, yeah. on national television. It's such a difficult stage for these players. No. Even and the you, fact they're doing media, they're mirroring the men's media schedule. They're out f- four days a week at the moment. It's very very difficult for them. Yeah. Now it's right because it shines a light. Every organisation is only as strong as the weakest link. And the RFU can't just bask in the glory of the men's Six Nations success. This is an indictment on the system that the, the men are this good and the women are down here that can't be sustained. it can't be allowed to be sustainable it has to they have to be investing uh, re- and they are investing resources and money in it but it's got to be smart as well they've got to be seeing this as, as a major, major issue but it's very hard to catch up because everyone else is investing and everyone else is like we've seen Wales in two years go from being hammered oh. by Ireland to hammering Ireland so um, it's a difficult, difficult job and it's a difficult place for these players to be I, I, feel, so- I feel sorry for a lot of them because you know they're not being that they're, they're. You know they're, there's no experience in that dressing room. You know a lot of if they qualify for the World Cup, I think some of the players who were involved. Yeah, you know, that that last minute try was such a sliding doors moment. There was retirements. You know, lost Kira Griffin. They lost a lot of leadership from that that time, and it's such a new team and it's a hard place to learn. Yeah, uh, Grace, uh, two last questions in one. Uh, give us your prediction.
0: Like what what is an acceptable afternoon for Ireland and what do you think will happen? And just before that it was also a feature on Saturday that it was hard to work out at times who was playing where. It was very chopped up as the game went on. Are there any changes that you would expect to see for Saturday?
2: Um, as much as Sive grew into the game, I think, you know, maybe get O'Dowd in there uh, or get Chrissy Haney in and move Linda Junk gang over, you know, uh, get a bit of confidence. We need good set piece. Um i think nicole conan you know if if they're looking at development in this team then you know let's develop you know why then bring in you know one of the players that has been around for a long time i think dan o'brien has a great left boot on her you know she's shown that at the interpros and you know in japan you know she's a great first game so i think give her more time she still has to learn in her decision making sometimes uh, she kicks a little too often, but has a really good pass. And I, I think I'd like to see her. I think Enya Breen, there might be concern about her being injured, which is going to be interesting for centre-wise. Okay. Um, but I think those two things are crucial. And I think the key for, for this weekend is, is sort out that defence, get your space in, and and put this France team under pressure like Italy did. If you sit back and let this France team run at you, you know they, they'll come all day. Um, and the other thing... Yeah, so the defense is the key thing. And then when we do have the ball and attack, I think we need to be direct. Uh, we need to be smart about it. We can't just drift across the pitch. We need to literally vary it, you know, find the gaps, go direct, try and get the quick rook ball and, and move it. But as you said, it was just, some people were throwing, it was like there was no game plan, you know? So it's it's getting that structure back into play. Mm. And I think maybe Dana might bring that at 10.
0: So. What do you think will happen? What's your prediction? And what what, what, you've dodged that one beautifully. I'd dodge it myself, maybe. And so, what do you think will happen? And what do you think would be, yeah, a a fair enough day? Because let's not put; it's unrealistic to say, oh, Ireland could, could nick this. They're probably going to lose. So, what would be what would be an acceptable loss? And what do you think will happen?
2: I think I think like getting that performance. So I think you know getting phases of attack and getting over the gain line and, and playing in the right areas of the park is going to be a, a positive. I think, um, I, I have no doubt France can get four four tries and, you know, a, as much as I want Ireland to go out and, sure. and show what they can do and win, I think, you know, France getting four tries, that will be a given unless a tsunami, you know, a weather changes the situation. But if I think if it's a dry night, France will run riot. Um, I think, it's hard to know what is what is success in this. I think it's it's not letting not the simple try. If someone beats you and goes through five phases, six phases and burns you, I think yeah, fair enough. But when like we look at the weekend, two minutes in, we get a, a penalty off a scrum and mall, It's a try. We get a break off for first phase. It's a try. Like I think we have to make France work for it. So I think if we we limit France to scoring off third, fourth phase, fifth phase, then I think, yeah, that's pretty successful.
0: Okay. Um, one last quick thought, Rory, for the, the tournament as a whole, uh, for England, it was a great day. Sarah Hunter bid farewell. They put close to 60 points in Scotland, a Scottish team who weren't actually as bad as the scoreline would have suggested. It was 58-7. But it is an issue for this tournament that almost each weekend the England-France games from a neutral point of view if, you, you know, if you're there with your remote and you're watching across Saturday or Sunday of an afternoon uh, too many of these games are incredibly lopsided and then from a tournament overview uh, if you were to be uncharitable about it you could say well the only game you need to watch is the game in the last round between England and France that's the decider and we understand why that is and the sport is coming from a, a lower base but they're going to if this thing is to grow they have to bring all the nations up um, to something approaching equitable in the next five, ten years if that's even
1: possible I think the World Cup you could have a similar criticism Uh, you know you could turn New Zealand into the mix but you know there was a lot of one-sided games at that tournament and I think that's just the nature of women's rugby that that there's three really three or four really strong teams and the the rest are, are, are quite far off that level and I'm not sure what World Rugby or the Six Nations can do about it. It really is up to the, the teams themselves to, mm. to, hit, to to hitch themselves up and give money and, and ring fence it. Maybe well, I'm sure they're well, doing that. Well, look at the men's like the men's is a much broader. It's a much broader church. So it's like the 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 teams who are able to compete at men's level, there's no reason why the team, that they can't compete at women's level as well. They're, they have obviously got a system that works for them in the men's side and it's not a case of copying it, but it's putting the brains behind all of that into the, to achieving it and it's going to take a while and it's going to close in the gap like how England you know, have retirements and the coaching change coming and maybe they'll come back to the pack a little bit, but the sheer number, weight of playing numbers is, 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 is on their side and they've got the best competition and France have a good competition and New Zealand have their own model and that works for them as well. So, um, um it's it's up to Ireland. You know, Ireland, there's no help coming from anywhere else. It's up for, it's know, up to the Irish system to w- close that gap. The worry you is that this Irish system has been gifted
0: the greatest privately funded schools, academy in the history of world sport. Mm. Gifted it. Yeah. So the RFU can uh, talk about the many great things they're doing and they're doing lots of great things I'm sure, but they have just been gifted rugby's version of La Masia and all these kids coming through. If you have not had to build from the ground up successfully club players coming through and put together a programme Yeah, and that, that is
1: a, a concern
0: and it's hard but yeah. they,
1: so they and can't
0: say oh how did we do it in the men's but they are
1: They've one of the, the only system. professional programmes for women's athletes in Ireland um, and there are currently how many a- WAFL players who are crossing the, the world to play professional sport for not a huge amount of money Yeah if they get their house in order, then your Vicky Wall's heads will be turned and you can get those athletes in. Yeah. But your house isn't in order at the moment. Like, why would Vicky Wall walk into that team and get hammered on national TV five times a year? Like, that's that's a challenge right now. They need to get the top athletes in. I, I know you were talking about John Cronin's piece in the Sino in, the, in the, the pay-per-view the other day, and I, I think it's really well worth reading both of them. Not everyone agrees with John and, and um, people will take him to task on certain things, but he's obviously sat down and thought about this an awful lot. And, and the... There, there is a a collection of athletes right Sorry, if you're a young girl in Ireland, what would you want to play? Do you want to play football and go to the World Cup? Do you want to play Gaelic in Croke Park with the little sponsorship and the big games? P- maybe go and play in Australia for a while? Or do you want to play rugby the way it's set up right now? Rugby's losing. But there's no reason rugby needs to lose forever. And it is a challenge for the RFU because there is no school system there. But there are good athletes, if you build the right um, framework for them to, to play, big problem is there's not enough good games across yeah. a year for t- to keep them interested and that's all the bigger picture stuff that we only ever talk about this time of year because Six Nations brings it into focus but it's important that we do because um, the women's a- AIL just operates in the shadows for from one end of the year, well not even from one end of the year it doesn't even go the whole length of the season it's crazy um, there's so many structural issues that, that are there and I think you're right, because the school system isn't there, they're being made to work much much harder to identify the athletes and at the moment it's not happening for them OK, clock is against us.
0: Uh, Grace and Rory staying with us. We're going to turn our attention to Heineken Champions Cup. It's back all of a sudden this weekend. It's, um, it's hard to get your head around it in some respects. Our rugby and off the ball is with Vodafone. Proud support of the Irish women's rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Quick ad break and we'll look ahead to uh, the round of 16 in the Heineken Champions Cup next. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. With
2: Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.
0: Now you're very welcome back. Grace David is with us as is Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independence. So Heineken Champions Cup round of 16. This weekend all of a sudden the URC weekend that was was pretty interesting. Uh, Munster 26, Glasgow 38 was a disappointing result at Thomond on Saturday. Ulster are now winning games again 32 to 23 against the Bulls. Uh, Connacht 41, Edinburgh 26 and then Friday night Leinster 22 Stormers 22 was um, an exceptional game proof once again the best games in the URC are when Leinster give the opposition double digit leads and then decide to chase them down Uh, so that was amazing Fair this weekend coming uh, Munster arrived this evening in South Africa they're in Durban to take on the Sharks that is half past 12 Irish time on Saturday half past 12 Irish time on Saturday Leinster play Ulster at half past 5 also on Saturday and then on Connacht is 3 o'clock also on Saturday so Feast of Rugby Saturday between Women's Six Nations and Heineken Champions Cup it does uh, <laughs> it's tough Grace to go from uh, Men's Six Nations International Women's Six Nations on to get suddenly oh my god here we go Champions Cup but we're here
2: Mode, isn't it the amount of games that are on, and you're you're finishing watching the women's Six Nations, and then you're going, oh right, there's more rugby on the TV, but yeah. And it's great, you know, those guys have to get themselves back to ground and, and start focusing after winning a Grand Slam and go, right, clubs are back, you know, what way are they doing and and, and start building up into this uh, Champions Cup and knowing now it's the next job, you can't follow too long in your own success and have to build up again and, and see can you perform and, and get back into your club and, and go back into their systems and structures as well.
0: Well, Rory, we might rely on you to touch here because as we were, we were doing England-Scotland on Virgin and we walked out at one stage to see that Glasgow against Munster were 31 nil up yeah. after 50 minutes and and after laughing at Fiona Hayes we did wonder
1: what had happened so you can tell us what had happened. Well, Glasgow were very good um, that doesn't account for 31 nil though it's, um, it was quite a poor performance for Munster at the worst possible time as well and, and the, all the stuff that we talked about at the start of the season the defeats that they were having then and, and not getting a bonus point against Zebra he has you know, has has kind of almost been forgotten because they had that lovely period since the South Africa game where they were winning games and they were pushing to lose close, put push Leinster relatively close as well. But it meant that they've no wiggle room, and suddenly they lose to Glasgow in this manner, and they're under, under enormous pressure on two fronts now, mm. um, to try and get into next year's Champions Cup, and and it was a a, a lot of it all, of their own making. Now Glasgow picked a few more of the Scotland starters in their team. Um, they they were in the Challenge Cup, so they didn't necessarily have to. Um, focus on this weekend so also they weren't celebrating anything in the way they are you know Ireland were but Munster yeah. were really only without um Omani and Murray you know from the from the Champions cup or sorry from the six nations squad um yeah. they had a strong team on paper out there but a little bit like the women's team they they just didn't show they didn't uh they left it in the dressing room they came out and and looked like it was going to happen for them and, and Glasgow came out and played a really nice brand of rugby Nigel Carrollan is their attack coach, the former Ireland Twenties coach, and you know if they if they're playing like that, it won't be long before the RFU are, are looking to get him home in some capacity because it was really really incisive, sharp, good handling. You know the kind of rugby actually Glasgow probably played under Townsend when they won this league, you know nearly a decade ago, and they actually looked like they're they're a relatively strong threat for the league now on the basis of what they what they performed in in Tholman. But Munster, we really really worried about. You know some of the missed tackles, some of the softness in the pack, yeah. Um, the disjoint- disjointedness, you know, they, no, no one had played together for a while, so it's not like it's an excuse. And, you know, everyone was going to have a little bit of that. Um, I think this weekend's game against the Sharks was probably on their mind, but Munster have long since passed the point where they could sack off a URC game and go and, and, and focus on the Champions Cup. You know, that's that's not. They need to be in the Champions Cup next year, and, and it spoke to a little bit of the the old malaise that was there that we kind of had thought they'd moved on from and maybe they're they're going to have days like this but it leaves them in a a really real bind now for the rest of the season
0: yeah Uh, Graham Rountree speaking Uh, during the week uh, talked about a very honest review of that Glasgow game I should stress by the way before someone tweets in to say you were laughing at Munster proof you hate Munster I was laughing at Fiona Hayes' distraught reaction to Munster (laughs) it's uh, a subtle but important uh, difference um Durban is at sea level Grace but temperature will be in the mid-twenties there's talk of high humidity it seems Munster have been communicating with the other Irish provinces who've played down there uh, just to get their sense of Preparation and Graham Rentry was saying that they have been doing some heat training, which is interesting. So they, he said, We've been topping up on heat training. Um, what he said of Sharks was, They can play crikey. They've got some pace on the edges. They've got a monster pack, very similar to playing against Toulouse, I'd say. They're big, they're heavy, and they're quick. Uh, this is a serious ask away from home for Munster. How do you see this?
2: Yeah, it's you know it's it's kind of they're going to want to bounce back from that la- loss to Glasgow, you know, they're going to want to put in the performance and show what they can do. Um but yeah, it's it's a big ask. It's away from home, you know, with that change in temperature, humidity and already with that mindset of, yeah, oh my god, these are huge, they're big. They're going to move the ball around and you know, they have to get that mindset right of what way they're going to play, how are they going to close them down, stop that offloading game, try and slow down the rooks, but You know, because of that physicality and because away from home, I just can't see them getting over the line. I think it'll be closer than we think, but I still think, um, yeah, it's a big journey to go to get yourself after that game, get all the way to South Africa, and then try and put in the performance as well.
1: Sharks on paper are ridiculous, but they're they're the eighth best team in the in the URC right now. They lost to the Scarlets on Saturday night with a full team. Um, like they've had Sabek, Kalisi, they've bongi on onbanambi, They have incredible players, but they don't seem to be able to put it all together. If they do on Saturday, then there's not many teams in the world who could live with them. Not, not least Munster, who were in very much a developmental phase, who've lost their best tighthead to New Zealand for a few months before he comes back, who are missing Ty Burn. But there has to be something said. To be there has to be something to be said for. Munster's pedigree in this competition for their experience of playing knockout rugby in, in in the Champions Cup over 25 years this is Sharks first knockout game in this tournament the South Africans I think are still grappling with the idea that this is bigger than URC I think that URC is still a big deal for, for, for them in, in a way that like that's their, that's their super rugby in some ways and, and obviously they understand that this is a bigger competition but they the, the, the pool format was so uninspiring that they're not really seeing what the what the big deal is about this now and a lot of their players would have played in Europe over the years like Etzabeth they know that this is a big deal once they're coming to town but for them it may be especially because they can't play a semi-final in South Africa that they're that because of the way the tournament was brokered they have to go to Europe regardless they may see the URC as a better route to silverware and they they are in a position where they need to win their last two games to get into the knockouts and to get into this competition next year they may, may be more willing to kind of go you know what we don't necessarily need a, big, a trip to Toulouse next week to play a European game that this is this is not the be all and end all for us so I can see a way more of Munster winning on, on their own merits because they have the Naus and O'Mahony's back and Murray comes back either starting or on the bench and they have all of that um, experience of European rugby for want of a better phrase because it's not in Europe anymore and it's it's new to the Sharks and, and the Sharks just don't ever live up to the sum of their parts so Munster could um, surprise us Um, it's actually the one in three weeks time I think where the Sharks will come out even stronger and try and blow them away because Munster have to go back to South Africa in two weeks anyway so Munster's schedule is if they win this they go play Toulouse away probably and then they're back to South Africa for two games so it's uh, a lot of air miles and uh, it's going to be really really intense I think this is the one they probably have the best chance of winning Okay, interesting so that's half past 12 Saturday Leinster Ulster's half past 5
0: Leinster 22 Stormers 22 was great game I mean many people have made the point Rory, that this is everything that uh, people hoped the Stormers would bring, or sorry, the South Africans would bring, and, and the Stormers did. And they brought a strong team as well. But further to your URC point, I was reading that some of the players were told, Do you want to stay home and prep for Europe, or do you want to go and take on Leinster? And there was an overwhelming hands in the air majority, let's go take on uh, Leinster, and, and it was a great game. Um,
1: Leinster had to come back again. You never really doubt they will most of the time. I did on Friday night I was there, you? and it was and like when the stormers brought their you did know, how many world cup winners they certainly had the two world cup winning props from the bomb squad um starting and they were winning collisions they were dominant the scrum time their maul was strong their backs looked electric for the first 20 minutes it really did look like Leinster were in trouble and like this is Leinster's B team and ultimately someone is going to beat them someday um unfortunately I tipped Edinburgh to do it during the Six Nations which was one of my bigger Bigger follies, but they, they will lose someday. And and they came very close on, on Friday night, but they found a way to win it and without they, and they
0: did go five up with ten minutes to go.
1: Yeah, and they had a kick you know, Harry Burner had a kick to win it at the end, um and he missed a couple of conversions. So probably on even John Dobson, the, the Stormers coach said we it would have been a bit of a burglary if we'd won this game that the Leicester were the better team over the course of the eighty minutes and yeah. that that's that you know that's what he told I had a chance to t- chat to him before the game and it was him who said that and this weekend's big for them because they're playing Harlequins at their own stadium and they're all they're both sponsored by DHL and DHL sponsored the stadium so it's a big deal from them from a corporate point of view there's only fifty thousand at that that game it's a big big yeah. event and they are the URC champions so they feel like they're flying flying the flag for South Africa and feel like they're the strongest region and the party the best setup up to, to cope on two fronts so they'll be back in Dublin for a final I would think you know if things go their, go their way they may um you know the way things are, are lining up in the, in the URC the South African teams all have two home games to finish off so they should finish strong and I mean they should have no I think Leinster's plan is to play all of their remaining home games whether knockout or yeah sorry there's only knockout games to come in the Viva. they should have no problem in shifting game tickets for the Stormers game um, because that was it was just an incredible clash of styles it was really good and it brought out the best in a lot of those Leinster players and the likes of Reese Rullock Luke McGrath guys who probably won't be involved or might be benched this weekend God, they, they contribute some amount to that Leinster effort across the season and, and ca- they can just call, they know they can call on them if, they, if they're ever needed. Ross Maloney, just one of these unsung heroes who has, has yet to be capped, but is such an important player in, in one of the best organisations in, in, in world rugby. It's mm. um it's a frightening squad and a frightening level of depth. It sure is. Grace, I know
0: you didn't catch that game, so I won't put you on the spot, but you can get the ball rolling on Leinster Ulster half past five on Saturday. Ulster uh, were very confusing for a lot of the season when the, the crisis hit. They have steadied the ship, certainly, so they beat the Bulls 32 23 they have beaten Cardiff 42 points to 20 away I appreciate Cardiff aren't in a great place they beat the Sharks 31-24 and they beat the Stormers at home 35-5 uh, they lost to Glasgow 17-11 but that is four wins in five since the 27th of January so again it does not mean they're uh, scary good or anything at the moment but the ship has been more than steadied uh, it just feels like a very hard thing to make a case for them realistically against Leinster at the weekend it's 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 partially one of the reasons I would say there isn't great hype about this game, like All-Ireland, knockout, European tie, and it it hasn't really captured the imagination. It's really sold out. In the media, I mean.
1: (laughs) Oh, sorry. Oh, it's (laughs) going
0: to sell out. Of course it will. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It will. Yeah, it'll sell out. and You know, I think Ulster will really want to put it up to Leinster. You know, we had that other interprovincial game where last minute the game was called off or they had to call it early and it was moved to the Aviva and it was behind closed doors and... Um, you know you look now You look Ulster are going to even now to face Leinster and they're going to want to put on a show they know it's in Leinster's backyard they know what they're going to bring and I think they'll have that confidence we've seen the players like Tom Stewart doing really well and that's with the likes of Rob Herring missing from Ulster I think Ian Henderson will be a huge loss obviously with his injury but yeah like it's good that they're winning and it's kind of what you said with Leinster you know it, winning becomes a habit, and you know we've seen Ireland do it against Australia, grinding out them ugly wins. And Leinster are, are somehow able to to do that consistently. And for Ulster to start winning again, start getting that belief in, in. and like I, I think even on Saturday or at the weekend there with their match, you know they were letting Bulls back into the game. You know it was only Bulls' uh, ill discipline. that kind of they could have had a, a kick for touch to to level that game. So I, I think. Ulster will need to still step it up another mark to, to kind of make any impact on this Leinster team.
0: Yeah, fair point on sellout. that's really yeah. good. When I say capture the imagination, Oh, look, when I saw when I saw Stephen
1: Clogston on the pitch on Sunday, <laughs> I, mean, I knew Mbappe was in town. I was like, oh, "This is gonna be a nice, quiet week." Yeah. It's yeah like, yeah. you know, the media, the media can only ex- has <laughs> a, so much, but much but oxygen but for. But, but I, I, ha- I very sense have done a really good job of selling this from a long way out. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, but I think no by Friday mean, this will be there will be a fair bit, bit of Okay. About, I suppose
0: I just mean no one at the water cooler is going Geez, what do you think's
1: going to happen at the weekend? Yeah, we're still analysing how what went wrong for Ireland on Saturday, on Monday night, and all that stuff. So like, it's been a busy week. And, and it's one of Ruby's big challenges with the championship coming back earlier as well. It's as this the season ends, there's less and less room for for Ruby to breathe And Six Nations sucks up so much energy, and the Women's Six Nations is doing that as well. Yeah, um, it's it is. You're right. There's, there's there's less talk about it, but they've they've managed to sell it. Well, pretty much sell out the Aviva. Yeah. I think on the back of the Six Nations stuff, and I think it's going to be a really good game. I think Ulster. I can, can make. Bring it. it? I, I think. Well, I mean, all you have to do is go back to 2019 and that quarter final very fresh off of Six Nations now it was a much less successful Six Nations but they brought a lot to that, that game and they nearly knocked Leinster out um, You know, Ross Byrne on one leg knocked over a last minute um, yeah. kick to, to win it how, You know, if Stockdale had, had not knocked the ball on in that pivotal moment for his career never mind that game Can I, can I interrupt how much faith do you put in Ulster's recent wins really? None because the form line the URC is so difficult to gauge. Last weekend was the best round of the URC. It was the best advertisement for URC because, and even then there wasn't the, the full teams, but the, the Stormers win. like They hammered the Stormers, but the Stormers sent over a B slash C team. Yeah. So at this time of year, it's very, very difficult. This is the best time of year for club rugby because everyone's available, everyone's back. Um, where I put more stock into is Leinster's two wins overall through this season. Um, having lost twice to them last year, The way they out muscled them up in Ravenhill in the rain, in particular, the form of Ryan Baird in that game, Jason Jenkins' performance, the way they've added a bit of steel to their pack this season, and the way they, you know, Ulster were what was the score at halftime in, in, or coming up to halftime in the RDS was it there were 20 points up it pretty was much yeah, and, and they turned around King and they basically Healy. broke Ulster's season for, for, two, for two months on that night but yeah. Ulster were good enough at the RDS against a very strong Leinster team to build a lead and weren't good enough to hold on to it and that would be the fear obviously you can't write this Leinster team off as we've already discussed but if they can get ahead, if they can bring the storm, if the Leinster players struggle to adapt back into the the, the, the calling system, you know, if they they're still mentally in Gary Ringo's basement, haven't had you know the celebrations, there's a lot of Ulster players who will feel like. This is their chance to get into a World Cup, you know. Like James Hume, Mike Larry, they were all captain the last year and have yeah. dropped off the the system altogether. J- Jacob Stockdale, I didn't see him in the celebrations. I think the whole squad were there, but I didn't see if Stockdale stuck around. He was in every training session for Ireland across the Six Nations. Larmer was as well on the Leicester side, but there's a lot fewer Leicester players who have a point to prove, whereas the Ulster players have a huge motivation as well as the fact that they haven't won this thing in a long time. And Sexton's not there, so that's a a, a little bit of a levelling up. As much as we all rate Ross Byrne and think that he's having a very good season. So there's a case to be made that if Ulster get things right, if they can get their mall going, you know, their mall scored, was it three tries against the Bulls on Friday night or on Saturday night? Yeah. They they have a lot of weapons. They're not as good as Leinster, but I do think they're a very, very good team. They're one of the best teams in Europe who if they on their day could take out nearly anyone if they get it right. And if Leinster are off it at all, they'll they'll have to be wary and just judging my um, their media on Monday, they are quite wary of this Ulster team. I retract everything. You you you've captured my imagination. <laughs> You locked it up and thrown
0: away the key. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sold, Grace. I'm far more into this game all of a sudden.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's put doubt in your mind that Ulster might do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's uh, appetising. Go, I'll go well, along these, with that. Generally, these All Irish games take on a life of their own. I know. Ulster Connacht second leg last year was a bit a bit one sided, and the 2012 final between these two, these two teams. Um, well very one-sided but think of Craig Gilroy dancing down the touchline in Thoman Park and knocking the Munster Kingpins out in 2012 Yeah, the two Leinster Munster games in, in that Crow Park and the Eviva or sorry in Lansdowne Road as it was then um, and that Ulster dropped. game that a couple of years oh, ago yeah. they, they have the, the, Rob McBride said something interesting the other day he said that when you look at the stats of Leinster's games across the season the Leinster forwards coach um, everything drops all of their standards drop in the provincial games so their lineouts get worse their meters per carry gets worse everything drops because the Irish players know them better mm. they're more motivated often the conditions are crap as well which doesn't help but the provinces are able to bring Leicester closer back to the pack than other teams are and if Ulster can do that then they've got a shot okay Sold, 100%, half past five. Two tickets five. left. Yeah, Leinster no, can send me an invoice. They should hire you. Oh, my <laughs> God.
0: The last of the tickets have just been bought. Uh, Grace, very, very final word. I, I, I don't know even what question to ask about Johnny Sexton anymore. Uh, we've talked about him so much, but it is worth stating that it would appear he's played his last game for Leinster. And and maybe he knew how serious the injury is when he walked off against England, and, and that explained the demeanour, which was very, very frustrated. But it, he had such a fitting finale for Ireland that is not a fitting finale for Leinster unfortunately proof that sport is cruel
2: yeah, and, and, you know, the majority of players don't get the swan song that they deserve. You know, it, there's very few that go out. We've seen Sarah Hunter do it the weekend. We've seen Brian O'Driscoll do it. And, yeah, you can't get it at any level, I think, to to win a Grand Slam at home just before a World Cup. But, you know, I don't think there'll be much to beat that. Yes, fair enough. He's a lot of caps for, for Leinster. But, yeah, it, it kind of shows he, he knew. It could be an, an old injury, you know, that he knew was there. Sometimes we have... Ligament's holding on by a thread, and you know once you know it's gone, you're going. No, I'm in trouble here. So obviously we know he's going in for surgery for that, uh, and I suppose all eyes now will be on his recovery. And you know how will he be going into World Cup? Will he be able to recover well enough? Will it, the fact that he not have game time will he get back for the autumns? Um, so yeah, so Leinster's loss is you know wrapping him up in cotton wool for a World Cup to to get the final swan song. So. You know, there has to be a change a, a changeover at some point. So although it's not the way he would have liked it, why not let these other guys, you know, the likes of Harry Byrne, get an opportunity, you know, get more game time for Leinster, get to the big games and not just say, right, you've got us through the URC, you've got us to the, the quarterfinals, now Johnny's back in. So um, why not let them get a bit of reward for the work that they are putting in behind the scenes? Because, you know, he isn't going to be there next year. Mm. Um, and you know for Ireland I suppose it, the goal is we want them for the World Cup
0: yeah we are out of time thank you both so much Grace staff at Grand Slam winner appreciate it and Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent thanks very much Good. rugby on off the ball is thanks to Vodafone proud supporter of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us Wednesday night rugby on off the ball
2: with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us